right, guys, welcome to uh, the Guys Little Ties podcast. Nick Fichetti here. I am solo today, no Jordan, no tie for me either. Um, and uh, before we start, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody uh, reaching out, uh, all the listeners, all the fans, um, people out there. You know, you're welcome to reach out anytime. You can hit me up on Facebook, my individual page. Instagram, it's Nick Fichetti, just N-I-K-F-E-K-E-T-E. We do not have social media up for uh, Big Guys, Little Ties podcast yet, uh, but we're in the works of it still. Um, you can also check out RadioInfluence.com, our producer, Jason Floyd, and his podcast as well. Uh, and I uh, just want to let you guys know that we have, we will be having merchandise available uh, pretty soon. If anybody wants to purchase or if you're interested in taking a look at our merch, we're going to have t-shirts available soon. Um, also, anybody has any questions, comments, uh, and if you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor for the show, uh, go ahead and reach out to us. You know, uh, Instagram, Facebook. I'll even put out my phone number on one of these, uh, uh, one of these entries soon on, on my social media once I get it all out there. Uh, and like I said, our, you know, within the week, our our social media should be up on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok as well too. So, all right, let's get into it. Um, this podcast will be a self development podcast, okay? And um, you know. Uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, and I, I do this uh, based on some personal experiences in my life and some of the experiences that I've had with people that I know and people that I work with. And uh, this one is called, the title of this one will be called Know Thyself. Okay. So oftentimes um, people are, are stricken in, in these different situations and difficult situations in life too they feel trapped they feel depressed they feel down they feel low and so what are some methods and ways that we can do to uh to elevate yourself to you know be someone that's happy someone that's at peace uh somebody that uh enjoys life because we all have you know just being born in this world we have that birthright to understand that we all deserve to be happy, right? We all deserve to be at peace. We all deserve to to live a life of excellence, if you want to use that word. Um, and it doesn't have to mean that you're, you know, a billionaire. Doesn't mean doesn't have to mean that you have five percent body fat and six pack abs all the time. You know, there's plenty of people that look great, have lots of money, uh, but they're very very miserable. Uh, in their lives. And so I believe that, you know, peace, happiness, though, you know, in, in the, in the face of all obstacles is actually the goal. And we'll get to that too, because I have a story and I believe I may have even touched on it in one of the earlier podcasts, but here we go. Okay. So know thyself. So I'm going to start off with a story and it's somewhat related to what we're going to. So this one's the allegory of the cave believe I may have mentioned it earlier if I have not told it already. So the allegory of the cave, it's told by uh, Plato in his book, uh, The Republic, and it's told from the perspective of well, well Socrates, the, the, the philosopher Socrates is telling the story, okay? And so a man is born into a cave, okay? This man is born alongside other men and he's strapped in chains to the wall, Okay, 
He's always been that way. He knows no other way. He's just in this cave. And in the center of this cave is, a, is like a small fire. And behind him, in the rear of everything, this wall that he's strapped to, is like this light, okay, that kind of comes through the tunnel. This man doesn't know any other way. He just knows that he's there. There's all these other people around him. It's dark in there. It's dingy. It's just all that he knows. He sees these kind of reflections on the wall, and, and he thinks that that's his reality, uh, you know, because that's all that he sees. He knows nothing beyond it. One day, by happenstance, he happens to escape the chains. They slither off of him, and he kind of wanders around, okay? And he, he walks by the fire, and then he makes his way to that light at the end of the tunnel, which is actually just the opening of the cave. He walks out of the cave and he sees the world as it really is. Okay, he sees trees, he sees the sun, he sees people that are clothed, he sees uh, animals, he sees things as they truly are, as they truly exist. And in his, in his wandering, in his journey... You know, and he's, he's learning how to speak the language and he's learning everything about the world that really is true, you know, because all he had known before was this, the inside of this cave, okay, this dingy, dark cave. And he's realizing how beautiful and amazing everything is in the world, the actual world. But as he's going through everything, he realizes that one day that he'll have to return to that cave and he'll have to try to explain to everybody what the real world is, right? So he makes his way, eventually, the journey back to the cave. And uh, in order to enter the cave, he has to re-enter. And again, this, this story gets a little bit skewed, but he has to re-enter the cave, and he has to put the handcuffs back on, and he has to start explaining to everybody what the real world is. But he finds that it's nearly impossible to explain to everybody what is what the world really is because they've been so fixated at only living in this limited existence. Okay. Now, there's many themes to pull from this story, but this was Plato's, the one that I take from it is that this is Plato's plight of the philosopher. Okay. The person that's trying to explain what is good, true, and beautiful in the world and what the world really is or what existence really is. It's not exactly as you see it in the, in this sort of closed setting. Okay. There's much, much more. And what is further and beyond is much more beautiful than what you can understand. Okay. All right. So moving on next, uh, we have in, in moving into understanding like what is, or how you can improve yourself, okay? And uh, this is an age-old question uh, since the beginning of civilization, since the beginning of consciousness, whenever that really happened. Historians have one theory, philosophers and uh, people that get into metaphysics have other theories. Things are much older than they really are. They aren't as they seem, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, the story of the Oracle of Delphi in ancient Greece, okay, so in, or in ancient Athens, really, it's outside of ancient Athens. Now, <clears throat> in ancient Athens, uh, you know, they had a pretty 
uh, complex uh, religion and spiritual beliefs, but there was a deep uh, re- uh, religious and spiritual uh, um, society that existed in uh, in ancient Athens. Um, the Greeks in general were very, so, some more than others, uh, superstitious, uh, studied astrology, uh, they studied ethics, and, 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 and uh, they believed in a pantheon of gods. And uh, the Oracle of Delphi was actually, uh, and I'll, I won't get into the details of it too much, but was actually a temple dedicated to the god Apollo. All right. And, um, and there were many maxims that were written on the, because it was a building, right, where you went in there and you consulted a priestess. Uh, and people went there for various reasons, to find uh, answers about things that they couldn't come to a conclusion to, about loved ones that had probably crossed to the other side, and so on and so forth. You know, it was just like a, talking to a modern uh, mystic or a, a psychic, but with, you know, different different uh, reasons. Uh, and there's a pretty detailed you know, there, there's a lot of literature out there that gets to the to the nitty gritty of what it was all about, but um, one of the maxims that was written on the outside of the walls of the Oracle of Delphi, written in Greek, of course, because that was their language, was "Know thyself." Okay, and there are other maxims that were written on, on there too, but this is the one where I want to step into is to know thyself. Okay, and so. How do we come to know ourselves? All right. Well, if you're like, like, like I had mentioned, if you're stuck or you feel like you're trying things all the time and you're never really getting anywhere, you're never, you always, it always kind of ends up in the same result. Um, Einstein's, uh, Einstein put it like this. Uh, uh, how do we say it? The, um, <clears throat> the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, trying to achieve a different result. So um, in order to move forward or to advance or to improve, you have to change your strategy, okay? And it all starts with a, uh, a method for discovering yourself, okay? Through self-reflection, and self-analysis, okay? Deep self-reflection, deep self-analysis. This is before going to other people. I mean, this is just one strategy to begin with, and I'm going to put up a a hodgepodge of of different strategies here and ideas. So, and from here, I'm going to start with the story of uh, St. Ignatius, Ignatius of Loyola. Okay. Now, Ignatius of Loyola was a really fascinating guy. If you ever get the chance to uh, take, a, take a look at him, he uh, was, a, was a warrior. He was a soldier. Okay. A uh, soldier of fortune. Uh, you know, back in Renaissance Spain, uh, he came from a somewhat prominent family, but he, his goal was, his ambition was to rise the ranks, gain wealth, power, you know, the life of a soldier, you know, what it was, uh, you know, uh, he didn't really know much else. Of course, he was, you know, baptized Roman Catholic, but, you know, he probably didn't pay as much attention to it as he did with his own personal ambition of, of wealth and power. And um, he got 
in the midst of one of the battles that he was fighting, he was hit by by cannon fire. I don't know if it was reverberation or whatever, a direct hit, but he almost lost his the use of his legs, and it probably left him crippled for the remainder of his life after the battle. But anyway, he was bedridden for over a year, and uh, in that year, all he could think about in the beginning was how he was going to be able to get back to battle, how he was going to be able to fight again, and win the affections of, uh, of women and, and, uh, you know, live this, this life of glory and, 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 and conquering. But once it became apparent that he probably was never going to return to battle again, um, you know, he see, he had a little bit of a depression and then he turned to spirituality. He turned to what he learned as a young man, you know, learning about prayer and learning about, reading the Bible and reading about Jesus and the saints and everything. And um, he came to some really interesting perspectives in that year because he was in isolation for basically a year. I mean, aside from the people attending to him, he came to understand uh, that studying about, you know, thinking about conquer and thinking about war and thinking about, you know, getting into that. He often found himself like very, Empowered at first, but then drained afterwards. Like he'd get himself so worked up and then, you know, feeling these emotions. And then eventually he was like drained afterwards from all this. But then he realized when he started thinking about the life of the saints and what he would do for God and what he could do for God, perhaps as a priest or in the service of God, uh, he found he found himself more steady and he never felt the crash afterwards. Okay. So um, that was through his initial self-reflection. He found out what sang to his soul better than something else. Okay. Um, and so, and that was through deep self-reflection and deep self-analysis. All right. Now, I'm not sure if he was journaling this or if this was just all, you know, after the fact he had studied it, but there are different ways for you to, to, get into deep self-reflection and self-analysis, okay? So I'll, I'll run through a couple of those right now. The first one is journaling, okay? Now, I grew up, like I said, I grew up Roman Catholic, and we learned about confession uh, to be the first thing, but I feel like if you're a little bit older and you, and you don't have those sorts of things in your life uh, or those services available, uh, journaling is always a quick and easy way of doing it, okay? You just grab a, a you know, Dollar notepad from, you know, I got one right here. Dollar notepad from uh, from CVS or Walgreens or, or the store, you know, or Walmart. And um, you just start writing. And you can write anything, okay? Just start somewhere. Put time on the clock. 15 minutes at first, up to 30 minutes, up to an hour, if you have that much time. But 15 minutes is, good, is a good start. And just begin to write, okay? And write anything that comes to your mind. Just let it out. If it's if you want to tell a story, if you want to write poetry, if you want to confess something that's uh, that's bothering you, if you want to ask questions and try to answer these questions, those are a few different ways to start off um, with self reflection and self analysis. Okay, the next thing is conversation slash confession. Now the thing is with this with conversation and confession with today's day and age and it was probably always this way you want to be very selective about who you have conversations with and who you confess things to because uh you know 
people that are operating at the lower level of existence will, uh, you know, and they're living at the ego level. You don't want people telling your business to other people, you know, like they can go out and try to ruin your day, whether on purpose or not on purpose, they can go out and just blabber everything that, you know, your entire story to everybody. And then you put yourself in a really difficult situation. So you want to be very selective who you have your conversations and you have your confessions with. Okay. Um, someone that you revere, somebody that, you know, that you can work with, but at the end of the day, there's, you always run the risk of them telling other people your business all the time. And if you're, if you're okay with that, that's fine. But if you're not okay with it, you know, uh, it can be a problem. All right. Next is counseling which kind of goes in with conversation and, conf and confession. Now, counseling, you would work with a real professional uh, counselor, whether it's um, someone that's got an MS or a PhD, psychologist, psychiatry, that sort of thing. Uh, there is, you know, and, and they are, it's, you know, by law, they have to keep everything that you say confidential. So you're able to confess to them and uh, it's, you know, by law, if they ever break that, you know, then they're, they're held liable in some, some instance. Another, another person is a coach. Now coaches are not coaches. Uh, when you get into life coaching guys like, uh, Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi and some of these other guys, and there's a lot of other people, it's a big industry now. Uh, that's a way for you to help yourself as well too. Um, I believe that there is a code of ethics when you get into coaching, uh, I, I'm on the path of that as well too, um, uh, of being a coach rather than a counselor or a psychologist, you know, who actually have the degrees in psychology or family health or, you know, um, different types of counseling coaches help you to realize yourself through a different method, uh, different methodology and different strategies. Okay. Um, and, um, they're, upheld i believe that there is a certain level of confidentiality with coaching as well too but i'm not there yet okay another area uh is through meditation and prayer okay so meditation and prayer are kind of like journaling in a way um the difference there's there's thousands of different kinds of meditation and 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 prayer as well too. Now I, I prayed Catholic prayers when I when I grew up, uh, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, Glory Be, all that stuff, the Apostles' Creed. Um, now the thing is with prayer, with those, it's almost like they become a meditation. Okay, in, in, in that setting, you say them over and over again until you shut out the other parts of your mind, right? And you shut out the, the past, you shut out the future, you're just staying in the present moment. And, um, you know, it's almost the same. It, it is basically a meditation. You know, when you do your rosary or you're saying the same prayer over and over again, whether it's an empowering prayer, whether it's, you know, there's, they have different strategies. Um, but, um, and there are different types of meditation too. You have breathing meditations, you have walking meditation, you have uh, jhana, which is, uh, you know, the, the origin of the word Zen comes from the Sanskrit word jhana, uh, th those sorts of meditations. Um, Eknathus Warren has a great one. He, uh, he calls it passage meditation, where essentially it is just the Catholic prayer. We just say it over and over again in a certain manner in order to shut your mind off, to, to alleviate your, 
the 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 thinker of your mind to con you know from beating the crap out of yourself over and over again you give yourself some space to to rest and relax and uh and then you know you can have breakthroughs from uh from those moments okay um you know and then once uh you know, through through journaling and through conversation and counseling and meditation, all these things, what you're trying to do is identify certain things that may not you may not be aware of. Okay, they might be they might be issues that from childhood before the age of five or six, when you you know when according to psychology we live most of our lives in in the unconscious or they're buried in the unconscious mind. You're able to sort of fish some issues out, and you're able to sort of uh, make them conscious. And this is where Carl Jung talks about the process of individuation. Okay. When a person becomes the best versions of themselves, they're able to dig out what's in the unconscious and they make it conscious. Okay. And there are, you know, Carl Jung, obviously one of the most brilliant minds of the, of the 20th century in, in the, in the, in the realm of psychoanalysis and psychology. Um, I definitely recommend checking him out, but yes, you, 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 you discover these problems and there's a way of getting into, once you're aware of them, now the process of healing begins, okay? And this is where guys like Eckhart Tolle and uh, 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 Jay Krishnamurti um, uh, and other people have talked about, you know, and the wisdom is sort of universal. It's not in just one place it's in multiple places because i believe like i said wisdom is universal so you know uh i'll give the credit to uh uh eckhart tolle on this one he talks about a few different things aspects in order to heal yourself in these situations okay so we have uh forgiveness surrender and the idea of staying present okay so in forgiveness the forgiveness is you know it's a it's it's a two-way street okay you forgive the other person in order to alleviate yourself of the pain and the suffering that may have existed for a long time. And you may not even be, you know, you might not even be conscious that you are holding a grudge against someone or against something in your life. And it's like a, it's, you know, you're carrying around this, this hundred pound bag with you all the time. And you wonder why you're pissed off all the time. You know, well, you have to go back Look at the issues and find forgiveness, and then you'll able you'll be able to alleviate a lot of these things that are really bothering you. Okay, um, the idea of surrender. Okay, you find yourself in a situation in life where you there's nothing that you can really do. You know, you're sort of uh, you feel trapped, or you you may or may not have. Uh, been, you may have been put there purposely or it may have happened by accident. But the thing is, there's nothing you can do to change that situation. I kind of equate this for me is the feelings I felt, you know, getting, you know, wrestling. I felt it for sure, but definitely in the professional fights, you know, your mind plays these tricks on you and, um, you know, you're walking out to the cage and if, you know, you have to stay present you have to stay in that moment which is actually the next strategy but you uh you're you've 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 signed the contract to fight okay now you're walking out to the fight now once you walk into the cage if you're fighting in a cage the cage gets locked okay and 
you know, to an untrained mind or to a person that doesn't naturally feel very comfortable in the situation, doesn't know how to control their emotions, they will certainly suffer in this situation. Okay, they'll suffer mentally, uh, emotionally, and, uh, you know, probably physically too. So what does a person have to do in a situation like that where you voluntarily put yourself in it or you did not voluntarily? You have to surrender, okay? And what I mean is, like, you don't, surrender doesn't mean that you give up. It just means that you give up on the suffering, okay? You let go of the suffering. You just, you become at peace with what is, what the outcome is going to be. doesn't matter because you've surrendered to it, Okay? Now, I wish I had uh, done this <laughs> myself more in my fight career. At the end of my fight career, I did. But I, I usually just lived with the pain all the time. And it was pretty miserable. It was a kind of a miserable way to live. But I, I did it for a long time just because my constitution, whatever, you know, I just I just dealt with it in different ways. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm grateful that I didn't go into such a negative path where I wasn't able to recover from. Okay, now getting into the last one is uh, this last little tip here is staying present. Okay, now in staying present, uh, again, surrender is part of that, forgiveness is part of that. Um, staying present means you stay in the moment, the flow state. Okay, uh, you know, you hear people talk about the flow state all the time. Okay, people are present in the flow state, they don't hold on to the past, they don't hold on. And they're not worried about the future. They are they're staying in the present moment. Okay, and there's one little uh, saying from here, right? Okay, uh, the past is history. The future is a mystery. But we have right now in this moment is a gift. That's why it's called the present. Okay, so tips in staying present. Okay, um, like I already mentioned the two previous, forgiveness and surrender. Um, putting your attention onto one thing, like your thumbs, your hands, your feet. Uh, finding gratitude in something, okay? And then fixating on that. Finding how grateful you are that you have knees that work or a back that works or that you didn't get into a car accident earlier in the day on the way to the, you know, your meeting. Finding gratitude, in something is a way, a great way of staying present. Okay. And I find that to be kind of the easiest and it's free. Okay. Now, um, we come to the end. I'm going to, I'm going to tell two stories. I believe I've mentioned them already on the podcast and I've, you know, I've already mentioned, uh, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned them on some of my posts on Facebook too. Um, wisdom is universal. Okay, whether you're a Christian, Muslim, Jew, whether you're a Hindu, whether you're an atheist, whether you're an agnostic, whether you have any spiritual, religious inclination at all, it doesn't really matter. Wisdom is wisdom, okay? Now, wisdom is defined as a few different things, but um, I want to start with uh, the story of Job in the Bible. All right, and then I have also the story of uh, the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna and Krishna and their initial conversation, okay? Now, the story of Job comes from, uh, the origin of it is, as far as I know, is, uh, you know, comes from the Hebrew texts, um, you know, which eventually became the Old Testament uh, of, the, of the Christian Bible. 
And uh, Job was a wise and prosperous man. And he followed the rules. And he did the right things in his life. And he honored God. Okay. And so he was prosperous, right? He had, he had, uh, he had animals. He had land. He had wealth. He had children. He had wives. He had it all. But he was a good man. And um, the story, the background story is that behind the scenes, uh, Satan came to God and said, hey, you know, the real, only reason why Job really worships you and honors you is because, you know, he has everything. And I guarantee that if I take a few things away from him, that he's not going to honor you and he'll curse your name. And so uh, God submitted to it and said, okay. Let's, uh, let's, <laughs> let's have a run with it. So little by little, the story is that the, uh, that Satan takes away, you know, takes away things from Job, right? First, uh, you know, his, his animals die in a plague and then his family gets, gets killed. And then, uh, you know, he gets, uh, stricken with disease and then he gets blinded and all along the way, you know, he, you know all this horrible shit is happening to him but he never renounces god he never renounces you know the creator of the universe or, or the universe itself or you know the creative force that's created universe as i like to say it and so uh in the end when he's down to nothing left he renounces the day that he was born okay but he never renounces god okay and uh right before you know he's pro you know very close to death um, the devil gives up, Satan gives up and gives him back to God. And then God restores everything that he had lost plus some. Okay. And, um, Job was said to be a wise man. Okay. And so now let me tell the next story too, which I found a parallel with in its own unique way. The story of Arjuna and Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. Okay, so if you ever get the chance to read the Bhagavad Gita, I definitely recommend it. It was very rich, it was very dense and loaded with, you know, uh, cosmologies and tips and, you know, uh, just all sorts of goodies. Anyway, Arjuna is the warrior. He's about to engage in a battle. He's actually the general of the army uh, that's fighting against um, his relatives, his cousins. Uh, but it turns out that you know, before he enters into battle, and, he, and he's trained as a warrior his whole life, but before he steps into battle, he balks. He gets very scared. He gets very afraid. And he's worried, you know, his mind sort of takes over. And he worries about what, what's gonna, what it's going to be like to have to, to defeat his cousins. And he, and he thinks that, in his mind, it'll be just as horrible to kill his family and people that he's known his whole life uh, and live with that regret and live with that sin. Uh, and he, so he might as well just give up. And, uh, you know, it, he doesn't know what would be worse, killing them and winning or having been defeated and conquered. He feels like it's a no-win situation. And just as he does that, as he's, as he's contemplating this, and, he, and, he's, and he's, you know, he's, he's uh, retreated somewhat in himself, um, the Krishna appears to him, right? Uh, the, the avatar Krishna, right? The Christ-like uh, figure that, you know, that sort of is rebirthed over and over again in, in, uh, in, in the Hindu religion. And uh, he counsels 
Arjuna, right? He gives he gives Arjuna. It's either Arjuna or Arjuna. The, the different texts say it different way, uh, different ways. But he counsels Arjuna and he tells him. He said, "Listen, Arjuna, you have to fight the battle. Okay, you have to go. To, you have to go to war." You are living a just life. They are unjust. I get it that they're your cousins and you're related and you're worried about the outcomes, but it's all good. We're all going to be reborn anyway. And, you know, you were, you were meant to be a soldier. If you don't live, fulfill your duties as a soldier, as the job you've trained your whole life in, you will live a life of regret and you'll die a miserable death. So you might as well live a good life and engage in this battle and, and don't worry about all the outcomes. Just go and do what you are meant to do. And he said, he also brought up this point too, which I believe parallels the story of Job. He says, wise people remain the same regardless of what they do. They are the same in victory and defeat, in tragedy and triumph, in life and in death. Okay? That is wisdom, according to Krishna. Right? That's what a wise person is. They are at peace in everything. Now, it doesn't mean that they choose, you know, you can find, you can, you can find peace by doing nothing. Like you can, you know, Arjun, you can leave the battlefield and go live in a cave somewhere and meditate all day and find peace that way. That's one path. But the higher path is to actually engage in battle, to step into this battle and to fight. All right. Anyway, the parallel with Job in this story is so, so Arjun ends up fighting and winning and, you know, his side wins the battle and good, good triumphs over evil. And, you know, again, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, uh, meanings to that story as well too. But the parallel with, with Job Job was a wise man. Bad things happened to Job, okay? Uh, but he remained loyal to God the whole time. Krishna tells Arjuna that a wise person remains unmoved in the face of adversity. Uh, and, in, you know, and he doesn't get too high uh, in the face of triumph. Okay, so Job faced a lot of adversity, and he prevailed in the end, you know? Uh, and it was the same with what Krishna was explaining to Arjuna. Okay. So the goal is, uh, well, to learn yourself. Okay. And learning yourself through the methods that I have sort of described. It's just a few tips for everybody. Um, you guys, uh, really appreciate all the support, really appreciate all the, uh, the feedback that I've been getting. Uh, and if anybody has any questions or any comments, like I said in the beginning of the show, please reach out to us anytime. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and uh, we'll see you next time.